Hi everyone, welcome back to Behind the Timeline, the podcast where we examine pop culture in films, television, and books across the ages. As always, we are your hosts, Lindsay and Scott. If you're interested in finding out what we've already covered or what we've got coming up in the future weeks, be sure to leave us a follow on Instagram at Go Behind the Timeline. Check us out on Twitter at Behind Timeline and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Additionally, links to our Patreon and our official website can be found in the episode descriptions if you would like to support the podcast. And now, on with the show. Right. Like, what provisions? Yeah. You, like a fur trapper in the Canadian wilderness? Like, <laughs> he's got to check the traps before the you snow. You got to go hits. get some sugar and flour and coffee and salt from the depot. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's so clearly an allegory for a human story that they just mapped onto like some animal abuse footage. It's <laughs> this is what's so, what makes me laugh because it's so absurd. Like, it's just like, what? <laughs> You're kind of just like waiting for Otis to be collecting shit and some pigeon be like, you're out collecting again, Otis. Hey, Frank, how you doing? How's the kids? Puppies dies of dysentery. Oh my God, yeah, dude. What is this, the Oregon Trail Animal Edition? All right, let's do this. My uterus won out. We're getting Chinese. I am so <laughs> glad that's right when everything started recording was literally the sentence. My uterus went out like you blew a tire. <laughs> no, I said one and not went. Oh, okay. <laughs> Somehow better. Oh my god, good I job. Guess. Good yeah. job. Um, all right. Well, on that on that. Take note, it from here, uterine queen. Um, welcome back, everybody, and welcome to the show, Aradia, from Wheel of Time Spoilers Podcast is here. We're super excited. Hello. Thanks for bringing me on. Oh, my God. You're so welcome. I've been enjoying your guys' podcast a lot, so it's it's fun to get to be on here. <laughs> I'm glad you're here now. I love that you're listening to it. That makes me really happy, because um, I'm obviously a huge fan of yours and of your guys' show. So I was really excited when we got a request in from Aradia for Milo and Otis. So we're, is that, am I pronouncing it right? Or is it Milo? No. no. It's Milo. I can't Milo. do it still. Milo. <laughs> I'm honest to God trying, and I still don't have I honest to God don't think you are. Like, I think at this point you're doing it to make me mad. <laughs> really not. And I heard them say it seven billion times while watching the movie, and it still hasn't sunk in. So, um, so I was going to say, only one person talks in this entire movie. Like- <laughs> yeah, and I still, ha- I still have it wrong. So, um, Anyway, here to talk about this movie is is Aradia. Um, I'm excited you're here. Tell us about uh, your love of this and your like request for this movie. Why why Milo and Otis? Did I do it right? I did it right. Finally. Yes. So the context for me is that I was a little kid and obsessed with like rewatching movies like over and over again, like get to the end and rewind it and then rewatch uh-huh. it like several times a day sort of obsessed with movies and that's part of why I'm loving the fact that you guys just hit the 90s when I found your podcast because like that's the era of the movies that I watched far too many times oh yeah um, us too 100% <laughs> yeah and 
uh, yeah, so like Fern Gully really yeah. was a lot for me. And um, <laughs> I mean, Back to the Future, Back to the Future was a later one, obviously, but like, God, Fern Gully, I loved your guys' take on Fern Gully and Homeward Bound, which is why I suggested this movie, which like, I didn't remember it that well. Um, I just remembered really liking it. And like my mom and I kind of, you know, made a game for my whole life out of like narrating our pets' lives in the spirit Aww. of Milo and Otis. That's right? Awesome. Like everything's narrated. Like on top of them having names, they have songs, they have catchphrases, like, you know, it was just a thing that we did. And a lot of the like songs like here comes the dog, strong and brave. Like we sang <laughs> that all the time. <laughs> um and so like I have more memories of the experience around the movie than of the movie itself. There was a few scenes I remembered, but like I hadn't watched it in a really long time. It was an early cycle movie. Like there were many, many other movies that lasted later into my childhood. Milo and Otis dropped off the circulation mm -hmm. fairly early. So uh -huh. rewatching it was a lot of, I remember this, but I didn't know that I remembered this until I watched it. <laughs> and <laughs> oh boy, was that an emotional roller coaster. My God. <laughs> I. I weirdly enjoyed this, even though it is, spoiler alert, listeners, bad. Um, <laughs> but I I weirdly, I found a weird, like, Douglas-esque, absurd comedy to this that I really enjoyed because I had never seen this. Um, this was not in a rotation. This was the first time I'd ever seen this movie. And Wait, like, ever? Like, I, of all time, this was the first time you'd ever watched this movie? Yeah, I had never seen this before. Wow. Holy shit, dude. I'm sorry that I made you <laughs> no, watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm weirdly not, honestly. Like, it was like, and it's fucked up, and we'll get into it, but, like, there was an absurdist, like, what the fuck comedy to this, of just watching it, just like, what? is this really like yeah. that i'm really i'm not sorry despite the fact that i'm going to give this an extremely low rating i am really not sorry that i watched it oh good okay <laughs> i mean yeah as a contrast to homeward bound like oof i'm i'm so weirded out at the fact that i didn't realize how bad this movie was and like when i told my mom that i was going to to do this to have this conversation with you guys she made such a cringe face at me <laughs> because she has since learned about all the bad things. And like, I mean, we're again, we had a lot of pets when I was growing up. So like, in hindsight, you can tell that the animals are very unhappy if you know animal body language. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, she's like yeah. very, oh, this is my problematic fave. I feel really conflicted about the fact that I had you watch this a bunch when you were a little kid. Like, yeah, she's she's got very big feelings about this, too. Here's the thing, like, when I was a kid, like, this, I remember, well, I watched this, like, one or two times, but it was always Homeward Bound growing up, like, for us. Same. And then when we did the Homeward Bound episode, you know, because I was so prepared, I had just watched it that morning. Um, Doing great. Yeah, I know. Right <laughs> after, it recommends you watch Milo and Otis if you liked this movie. Really? I was like, no, <laughs> no, don't mm. do that. Um, mm. and then like Lindsay told me like, Hey, a radio wants to do this movie. And I was like, Oh no, scary movie to like cover. We just did Halloween and this is kind of, I feel like the movie we should have covered. This oh, is like, we've, yeah, we've had like a string of scary movies, right? Cause we, we had Jurassic park and then our two Halloween movies and now this. So yeah. Right. 
Isn't that the yeah. order of operations? I don't know. That is the order of operations. I, I took math in seventh grade. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now this movie is is particularly creepy because of how it's not meant to be creepy. Yeah. Like yeah. the juxtaposition of genuinely horrifying footage against extremely cute music and narration is like the absurdism itself is horrifying. The, and I think that's yeah. what I darkly liked about it. I found it very like Douglas Adams could have wrote this. <laughs> that's you're not wrong. <laughs> like if if it wasn't real, and that's what so creates such a conflict for me. Because while I was watching it, I was just like I was honestly laughing. Like a lot of it did make me laugh, and then you get to some of the bad parts, and it's like, oh no, but this is real. Like it would have been, it's. It's almost like a mystery science theater, the way that the narration is over it. Like, it feels like it's like a documentary about animal abuse with a mystery science theater narration that I could not yeah. help but laugh at the absurdism of it being the That's first time I'd ever really seen it. That's a good explanation. I actually really like that. Like, I kind of feel fuck? like it should have just had, like, the shadow of a robot and a fucking thing, like, in the bottom corner this whole time I was watching it. Yeah, and those guys, like, the mystery science theater thing is, like has a very dry Douglas-esque humor, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's the whole... By the way, our Douglas counter is up to six. I'm counting how many times you said Douglas. Well, you know. Well, and it's... <laughs> fine. <laughs> Enjoy Take editing that out, Scott. All right, yeah. yeah. I will. So, so, somehow, this, this movie is originally based on, like, a darker and more messed up Japanese film called... And I'm going to butcher want me to this. Do it? Yeah, please. <laughs> Koniko Monogatari. Go on. I know I'm impressed. You take it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so originally a darker and somehow more messed up Japanese film called Koniko Monogatari, a kitten's story, or The Adventures of Shatran, which is the name of the cat. Um, the Adventures of Milo and Otis was written and directed by Bosonori Hata, narrated by Dudley Moore in the English version, and was filmed in Japan at the Mutsugoro Animal Kingdom. I would um, say that it was not a kingdom for animals, though, given how they were treated. No, absolutely not. Yeah, no. But it was a place where all of these animals were and where they could easily create a situation where they like made Pug fight a bear. So oh, yeah. like that, as opposed to Homeward Bound, where like those animals were never in the same scene together and they were right. Like yeah. they just went into this. It wasn't place. even a real cat that went over the cliff. Like, yeah, none of that. There was. were no fake animals used in the making of this film. So, OK, yeah. anyway. In order to actually get us there, so I'll I'll read us a quick plot. Mm -hmm. Though an unlikely pair, the kitten Milo and the pug puppy Otis are inseparable besties growing up in their apparently humanless farm. Until one day, Milo's curiosity gets him swept away by the river, and it's up to Otis to find and rescue him. Their friendship survives the bear attacks, but can it stand against the power of love? Find out in this horrifyingly bonkers adventure. <laughs> So yeah, I honestly like until I read the plot that you had written, I didn't even realize there really are like no people around on the farm. None. Like, there's just no one around. There's like the implication of humans because there's sheep and cattle, mm -hmm. but like other than that, there's nothing. I mean, and yeah. there's a train that apparently has people in it at one point, but that like we never see all of the other farms we see are like abandoned. Like there's the fish shack that has fish, but it's like all seasonal. Yeah. So it's like this is a place people used to be, but are no longer is kind of the energy, but also like sheep and cattle kind of need people. It's very weird. It's very sort of like 
I mean, I was going to say Animal Farm, but there's people in Animal Farm. Animal Farm. Like, but there it is a little bit <laughs> it's though, not right? Like Animal Farm like, at all. Well, it might be if they're all still living there on the farm, right? Like if there's True. if there's no people, but they've created this like structure or whatever, and they're still living it's, in. It's the, an actual utopia. Yeah, yeah. right. Than a, a cautionary tale. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Like everything yeah, gets fair, so fair, fucked fair. up. <laughs> That's that's true. But home isn't really the point of this, is it? Which we'll get into. But it's it is weird that there's nobody there. Um. Yes. Yeah. And this is nowhere, by the way. Oh yeah. In terms of streaming, no. Mm-hmm. Nowhere to be found. Yeah, you can rent it any number of places. I got it on Amazon. You can mm-hmm. get it on YouTube. But yeah, it's not available yeah. to stream because it, you it shouldn't be, honestly. Right. I kind of feel like that's that's why it's not on any streaming. Uh, areas is like it it just like shouldn't be available like okay seriously after after your guys's uh homeward bound episode i was sort of like rolling my eyes at the whole like the butterfly was fake like oh my god animal cruelty rules are just so over the top yeah like and then i watched this movie and i'm just like i'm okay living in a world where harming butterflies is not okay because this video (laughs) this footage is so awful like I prefer the other. I'm I'm gonna stop yeah. critiquing. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, I I also was thinking about the butterfly while watching this. I was like, oh no. I kept thinking about the fake cat they threw off the cliff. That I was just like, no, man, we're in completely different territories here. Yeah, right. Because there are both yeah, cats movies. and rivers. There are some one to one comparisons to be had. There are. There's the cats mm-hmm. in the rivers, and there's the because they they throw the cougar off the cliff, right? But it's a fake yeah, cougar. Like there are cats off cougar. cliffs in both. There's a lot of overlapping stuff. So let's briefly go through the timeline. Scott, take us through, and then we'll dive all the way into the movie. Yeah, so the film, uh, because this is Request the Timeline, we're jumping back a little bit. We are back in 1989 for historical context. Uh, Hollywood Studios opened at Walt Disney World. Uh, Taylor Swift was born, again, anti-hero. It's the greatest song ever written by human beings. Uh, the Game Boy was also born. Did you really write born? The Game Boy was also re- <laughs> <laughs> That threw me off so bad. Let me try that again. The, the Game, Game Boy, Boy was also made, and Madonna's Like a Prayer debuted. <laughs> uh, well, Rotten Tomatoes. This is like this. I, dude, I'm so whoa. upset about this. Like, I, I know this I, is fucked up. I cannot God. believe this. Rotten Tomatoes has this as an 80% tomato meter and a 74% audience score. 74. For context, you guys, that's fucking higher than the last two movies we just covered, not including Jurassic Park. Yeah. That's higher than Hocus Pocus 2 and Nightmare Before Christmas. Is it? That's... I thought Nightmare Before Christmas. Was oh, no. Higher. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's You're right. You're right. It's higher than Hocus Pocus. It is higher than Hocus Pocus. That, to me, says so much about what's wrong with our society there's that many people who are like i don't recognize this as being bad well and like it kind of makes me wonder like when are these like like when are these upvotes tallied 
Because these can't be from like 89. We didn't have Rotten Tomatoes then. Well, so like, is this like reason people are saying this movie is so good? Because if it is, then I'm like, we need like a major overhaul. Of how it's also worth noting movies. at the end of the movie, it says that it originally came out in 86. In Japan. Yeah, in Japan. And then it version. got, it took yeah. three so, years for them to recover and. Yeah, so which uh, which audiences are we even talking about? Yeah. Right. And then beyond that, like I think it's a good point that obviously the internet didn't exist in the 80s and did the critics I I don't know cuz I assume they would have watched it. But is it possible mm-hmm. that some of the audience score on this is people who hadn't seen it since they were like 5? It has to be. And we're like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, I loved that movie." Which definitely would have been me if you surveyed me like last week. Right? So I wonder if that's what's going on. If it's if people didn't rewatch it, they just were like, "Oh, I can I can rank this movie I loved as a kid on on Rotten Tomatoes." Yeah, I don't know because it's hard to believe that people could watch this now and give it as high as a seventy four. Um, and it, but it's hard to believe that any critic could watch it and think the ever, same thing almost and yeah. and think more highly of it than the audience yeah than the audience that's what i don't get i think yeah. you know what i think it is honestly is we didn't have a movie like this up until this point because we didn't have homeward bound for another couple of years right and it's like if you just closed your eyes and or like had it be animated yeah it would oh, be yeah. an amazing story this would be amazing animated or totally. as an audio drama like it's yeah. just when you watch what's happening on screen that it's a problem yeah. So it's like maybe there's a lot of like, well, from a story perspective, from an audio perspective, like maybe that kind of overshadows the the part where you're actually seeing. It's kind of the live action Watership Down, <laughs> dude. Right? Like Not that. Wrong. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Even if you could like tell at any point in the movie that there was a fake animal being used which you can't because there aren't any like you know how you can tell that sassy's fake in that one scene in the waterfall in the water yeah because cats heads don't bob like that well and it just (laughs) obviously looks fake and it's like cool i'm like comfortable with that like i'm glad that sassy's not really in the river and then you i don't know yeah i have a reasonable amount of concern for the stuffed cat head that they threw into the river there was just like any plausible deniability on like the animal abuse it would be one thing but yeah animated yeah. would be great yeah maybe maybe it's because people rated it so high because the animals did all their own stunts you know oh my God. yeah really because impressed. it was it was a new animal every time they did a stunt <laughs> uh, posthumously oh. giving out like special like uh stunt awards <laughs> uh oscar winners and nods that year was rain man won best picture nothing from milo and otis i can't believe that <laughs> um but the soundtrack won awards in japan i can believe that mm-hmm. uh and then that soundtrack was replaced by a folksy theme that we get here in the american version which is very i was very wondering about that because the song seemed written for an english audience 100 <clears throat> percent. yeah Actually, when uh, Milo and Otis are reunited, it plays Schubert's Serenade uh, song. So they do have like classical pieces in there. But the majority of the film was rescored for the English cover. Yeah. And the huh. the Japanese music, like I, I like looked into some of the clips, like I watched some of the Japanese version and uh, it's really beautiful and it's very dramatic. Like the movie is not supposed to be like funny and cute and silly in the japanese version it's like hardcore yeah and um and the the music sets the tone on that and it won 
like I guess a bunch of awards in Japan. This movie was like a huge deal. Um, yeah, I wonder if the writing was as much more dramatic and less cute. I think so. The music, probably. I think that it was. Well, now I feel like I didn't even get to see what the directors originally intended. Oh, not at all. And they cut it from. Uh, like it was originally like a 70 something or no, a 90 something minute movie. And they cut it down to a 70 something. Like they took out like a half an hour of the movie. That explains a couple of weird jumps for sure. Yeah. But a lot of what they took out is like extended bear scenes and like, like I'm grateful for some of it, but, oh, but okay. it was super popular uh, and did really, really well in Japan. So while Batman was the top grossing movie in 89 in the States, Milo and, o- Milo and Otis made, <laughs> oh my God. Um, it, it made like 13 million here on a budget of around 500 million. And those are, I'm like, I don't know how inflation and the exchange rate and all of that, but that, those are the numbers I got. But in Japan, it was the highest grosser of 86. It played at Cannes at the film festival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't, I'm like, I would not shit you. And like, it was the third highest grossing movie in Japan of all time in 86. It was hugely popular. They had a video game. It was like, and it won all these awards. And like, it was like a whole big deal in Japan in 86. I am. I really want to see the Japanese version now. I don't know, dude. I don't think it's good. It's still funny. No, but I need to know. (laughs) Unless you need to find some clips. I at least need to get some sense of how disjointed the English version is. There's definitely some of it on YouTube. Um, All right. Yeah, it exists because I saw some of it and it's very different, but also just more of the same, but with like a darker tone. And so let's. Let's move out of the t- out of the timeline and into the the part that I did like about this, which we touched on a little bit already. Deadly. I I enjoyed this British narration. I liked when <laughs> like like especially in the beginning because in the beginning there's not a lot of obvious animal abuse yet it's still i was like i knew that was what this movie was known for and i i knew that it was going to be bad but in the beginning it's just like oh, all right they put the cat in the pipe like you know it's it's not the end of the fucking world like my cat mm-hmm. went up the barbie dream elevator a lot when i was a kid like it's <laughs> shit <laughs> happens right well I'm didn't like, we all fine. didn't we all so and <laughs> in the beginning like you know the narrator's like so so british right like this is 80s british and it's like everything's all calm and lovely and then it's milo no stay on the dock and he's screaming <laughs> yeah. i love how committed he is to the voices it warms yeah. my heart so much so for those of you who don't know, and I would be doing my mother a major disservice by not mentioning this, this movie is narrated by Dudley Moore, who is best known for his works as Arthur from the 1986 comedy, or 1981 comedy, Arthur, about a wealthy, drunk, British noble who has to find love or he loses all of his money. Um, <laughs> I don't know that what? one. Oh my God, dude. It's so funny. Is but, it a British show? Yeah, no, it's a movie. It's a British comedy. Like, you've never seen, dude, he's so drunk and he tries to get out of the car and he falls in the grass and then he tries to get back up again. Oh my God, it's so funny. I've never heard of this. Wow. Okay. Scott, like, loves British humor and he doesn't even know the half of what's out there. I remind me to sit you down sometime (laughs) and get you set up on, like, some of the really standard sort of British shit that you'll love. There's so much. (laughs) 
Is there a chance I've actually seen it? Because I do watch a lot of that stuff. Like, I love the IT crowd. I know that you've seen Faulty Towers. And I, I know love that you've Faulty seen, Towers. Yeah, like, I know that, that you know I've the seen old that. stuff. That's weird. But I think you would love, um, like, I'll have to, I'll think about it. I, I have to think of the. I have no idea. I'll find them. They're like more Wayne. modern. No, it's the something is and they're on Netflix. I'll find it. I'm, I'll figure it out and text you. Mm-hmm. I um, doubt it. Anyway, yeah, I <laughs> I loved that Dudley Moore was the narrator for this because that is, and I'm going to be honest with you, Radio. I didn't get a chance to tell you this before we started recording, but this was a genuine struggle for me to commit to coming on this today because I do have a serious problem with the way that this movie was made. <laughs> so I almost let Lindsay just take over for me um, and yeah, you guys okay. kind of duke it out. But Dudley Moore is like the only thing that kept me in on this. No, no, that's that's fair. It's the narration really carries it. I mean, I didn't know about the rest of his career, but he he really carries it. Well, now you do. Even if you didn't like the movie, you can leave here saying you learned something. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I love voiceover stuff. Like honestly, like I feel like this is a, a whole genre thing, right? This and Homeward Bound, and, uh-huh. and just the way everyone is with their pets. You know, like yeah. it's yeah. just. And then I don't know. Have you guys ever seen Tony Baker on YouTube? I don't think so. No. Oh, people sent him funny animal clips and then he narrates over them and it's like this but like really high comedy just with weird like snippets right like mystery science theater. theater very much but it's just like you know the internet the youtube magic right. celebrity stuff um and i i do really adore that that medium and i wish we could have more of it because it's really fun when you have just like animals goofing around and then you give them stories and narrations and dialogue and personalities like in principle i love this medium Mm-hmm. I love, I mean, and Homeward Bound obviously is the example of where it's done well and like with like, you know, thought given to the animals and things like that. But I still did enjoy this aspect of this movie. Like it felt like like a David Attenborough show, but with mm-hmm. Mystery Science Theater over it, which yeah, like, yeah. like Scott, fuck you. Oh, I, okay, I know. <laughs> All right. Scott Aradia does not. He doesn't get high and watch David Attenborough, and it, and he's just like he, you don't even have to get fucked up for it, dude. You just gotta watch. Like he didn't watch Prehistoric Planet. Okay, I haven't watched Prehistoric Planet. Okay, but- oh, oh Planet thank you. So no, you have to watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I don't need CGI dinosaurs, but, but they're like, so good. Planet Earth and Blue Planet. And oh, I watched Blue oh. Planet. Yeah, that's what we're talking Planet about. Earth. I know that's what you're talking. I have never said. I haven't watched them all. What I get shit for is not watching Prehistoric Planet. In particular, I do want In you to particular, watch Prehistoric Planet because yeah. it's really good. No, it's like they don't look fake. It's like unbelievably. But, but also, Scott. Are. I know, but that's really good. <laughs> and Attenborough narrates you're not gonna it. Win the, you're not going to win this fight, already. I'm just telling you right now. I <laughs> want you to watch, though, like The Hunt. Like, you would really like The Hunt. I mean, that's I will basically do anything for David Attenborough content. I yeah. Mean, at some point, I'm going to be laid up sick and be like, fine. It's so good. Like, it'll happen. And you won't be sorry. And you'll be like, Lindsay, <laughs> you were right. How did they film the Stegosaurus at night? Like, I like, it's so good. Like, honestly, it's, I was This so makes so much good. sense now. Oh, my God. Look. <laughs> Look at them, mm-hmm. how they follow them into the cave. All right. So um I liked that this aspect of this movie. I really did. I thought it was hilarious. The British narration was great. Like it's it was absurd. It was completely absurd. And yeah. if I and I was able to suspend my disbelief for the most part, especially for the first half of the movie, I'd say. Once Milo's going down the waterfall, 
I kind of, yeah, I, I struggled a lot more to suspend my disbelief from there, but like, I'm obviously all of this is horrible and I would never condone it in any way, but I'm not someone who like, can't look at it. You know, like I know there's some people who are like, would not be able to sit through it and like, or Scott, like you said, like you were like, I don't know if I can get into this one. I'm, I'm not, um, that sensitive to it. Like, while I know that it's horrible and would never condone it and don't think that like, I'm glad no one's streaming this movie and all of the things. Yeah. It doesn't like, I can't not look at it. So I suspended my disbelief for the first half of this movie pretty much. And it was like real funny. I mean, it wasn't like a, <laughs> it wasn't like a, like, dude, I can't look at this. Like, Oh, that's so graphic. Like, no, you guys, come on. My mom raised me on alien and the exorcism and all that shit. I have no problem with like graphic stuff. It's just the implication that there was no one on set that was like, like, maybe we don't do this like this, or maybe we do this like another way or something. I just, it, I don't know. There was just like, it was hard for me to separate myself from someone not having a voice in their head going, there are so many different ways we could be doing this right now. Yeah. I, it's easy to be okay with, with the first, yeah, third yeah once the river becomes a threat yeah and like knowing where it goes and it's like those are not trained distress signals even when the first encounter with the river but yeah it's i didn't start full body tensing up and cringing and having a hard time watching until after until the waterfall and after that the cringe was pretty steady for the rest of the movie I would say, yeah, even as someone who doesn't usually have too strong of a response, like physically to it, like an inability to watch, like I did start to cringe for, yeah, you're right, from when the river becomes a threat from because because when it's just it's the cat in the box and his head's wet and he's obviously unhappy and he's in the calm water. It's like, this is obviously not okay, but I don't have a hard time necessarily watching it. Right. And then when it get like, because I don't think there were any fake animals used in this. And so. No. And it's like, how many cats in boxes did they throw down that waterfall before they got the perfect shot? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they really did that. And like, so there's there's conflicting stories about what happened, right? There's some animal rights groups say that they were just straight up murdering puppies and kittens. And some say there's no evidence of that. We don't know what happened. But it's Yeah, like, the Humane Society, when this came to the United States, the Humane Society like vehemently investigated this right because this is another thing is it's happening internationally it's like who knows what the regulations in japan were around animal rights in the late 80s i have no idea yeah they have no clue obviously they weren't that strict no definitely not and there has been numerous accounts of like them looking into it they can't every time they try to find something it hits a dead wall and like they can't go any further so the general consensus is there's not enough evidence to support that's really what happened, but there's too much footage to ignore a level of that did occur. Like, it's just there's too much kept in the movie. Like, that dog really was fighting that bear. Yeah. The cat really mm-hmm. did fall off the waterfall. Like, that, you can't ignore that stuff. You can tell it's not clever editing the way that Homeward Bound is. Because I questioned in Homeward Bound, wow, did they really, how close did they get to the bear? They weren't even on set the same day. It's just editing. Right. But this is like, it's happening. 
Mm-hmm. And and if you you can read body language, if you can hear how, the sound in their voices, like they're really distressed. Like I didn't realize how much of the animals I see on screen are obviously trained and how fake their reactions are because you can only train an animal so yeah. well yeah. to be <laughs> distressed. Seeing actual distressed animals, it was just like, holy, wow. Like I just the amount of distress that they just keep the cameras rolling. Mm-hmm. The cameras are just rolling and rolling and rolling. Like the when they have the dog out on the rock as the tide is rising. Yeah. Like Oh shit, I forgot oh about my that. God. Like I could not believe how much distress they're just like, nah, we it's been like 40 minutes and we're just gonna keep rolling. You yeah. know, because that's how long it takes the tide to roll in. And like that little pug is just out there for like however many hours they decided they wanted to get that footage. That was really like, bad, and so was the pug in the snow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he looked really cold. Like, that's how you kill a dog. Like, that's why, also, something I learned in researching for this, pugs are, like, obviously so fucking inbred, right, or whatever. Like, get that dog. Like, you have to do a lot of breeding to get a dog like that. Right, right. It's abusive right up, right from the get-go. Right, like, the existence of the pug is kind of, like, fucked up on its own. But the because of all of this, like, the pug is an animal that, like, doesn't keep itself warm very well. Its coat is really ineffective. And that's why you see pugs in jackets and stuff. It's, like, not to look cute. It's, like, because mm-hmm. the pug could die. Like, because they're such a useless, like, I'm not a, a big fan of the pug. Um, if, it's, if that's not clear. I'm like, these are the worst, but it still didn't deserve to freeze to death out over that lake, which I'm pretty convinced happened. Like I, as far as like, did animals die in this? I got to say for sure. Like, I think. Oh, I don't think there's any way that at least one or two. Yeah. It, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. I mean like that seagull scene, like how do you get a cat out of that sort of scenario? Right. Like parts of that, I was just like, that is the death mob closing in, right? Mm-hmm. And then they cut to the slow motion of a cat being thrown off of a fucking cliff into the ocean. It's just like... Yeah, which... Ooh. That's not great. Like, and... That was not a rag doll. I saw the no, tail spinning. I've seen, like, you know, smarter everyday videos about how cats fall. That was a real cat. Yeah, that was a real cat. And apparently, according to, like, some YouTube video I watched, right? So, like, grains of salt. But from what I found they the filmmakers because this got investigated like you said scott right like people looked into this and apparently they said no 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 that just the cat like freaked out and jumped off the cliff but the cat is facing the cliff well first of all yeah that's ridiculous second of all the cat's facing the cliff it didn't jump off backwards yeah Mm -hmm. it wasn't like hold my beer like (laughs) yeah like that's not what happened and then there's footage in the japanese side where that you see Milo in the waves crashing against the cliff, trying to climb up the cliff and then get and then falling multiple times. Like, and that was bad. I'm like, definitely some cats died in the ocean. Like the cat in the ocean was really hard to watch. That was Yeah, they bad. just had the cat rolling up in the surf. Yeah. Like that's the milder bit that they decided to keep for the American audience, right? Is the part where there's like a two-foot wave rolling this drenched freezing cat onto the sand. I actually couldn't believe that when I saw it. Like that was a bit where I was like, wait, it has to be fake, right? And it's like, nope, it's that's a cat. Like I there definitely 
cats died during that and the preceding seagull scene. There's no way like that animal is in distress. Like you said, like that's, that was super bad. And some of the worst stuff was with the bear, right? The bear stuff was just that. Yeah. Like the bear had to have been a trained bear, right? Like that was I don't know, dude. They're in bear. that animal reserve. I don't know. Like it's probably mm. a socialized ish bear. Yeah, but it's smart, a reserve. You know? That just means it's there to like nurture and protect the animal. But the animal yeah. might not be trained. And you can tell like that's a little too much aggression for yeah. from both it's of a them. Distressed like, bear. The bear yeah. is being distressed by all the camera people throwing domestic animals at it. Yeah. yeah. Like and it and and it just like with oh the, with the pug, it's so like that dog is so ineffectual against a bear, like as opposed to like shadow or chance, like the fact that they cast this animal and said it's going to be a pug, like the I know right? he would have drowned just yeah. doing all the water stuff. Yeah, right? like it doesn't have the bear, any like... physical prowess over the cat. There's no real difference between like if anything, it's less useful than the cat. It doesn't have really any advantage over Milo at all. Like Otis just. And and I'm like, Otis is definitely gonna fucking die. This bear's gonna kill him easier than it would kill Milo. Like, oh, yeah. Otis is useless, right? Right, right. He's supposed to be like smart and logical, and that's supposed to be what he brings to the relationship is the fact that he's more solid and down to earth. But like you don't really see that coming in very clutch when he attacks a bear in a please drown me scenario. Yeah. Right. He doesn't have a lot of opportunity to use like that element of his personality or his intelligence to solve the plot, huh? It's like all bear fighting. Like, yeah, this movie is no plot. The bear all just bear. keeps coming up. <laughs> it's just like the bear is like the driving antagonist of the whole story, and it really is unfair to the bear because the bear is just trying to live its bear life. You know, I don't know why it's like ferociously hunting this cat. Like, I don't. That's like not what They've bears got do. Got a vendetta. <laughs> yeah, like, it's the what? jaws of bears. It's so yeah, right. It's really weird. I don't. I don't know why it does that, but. It is the driving antagonist. It's there all the time and it chases both of them. And then it just disappears at the. Oh, yeah. The where the fuck? Where is he? At the end? He just fucks <laughs> off. He just fucks off entirely. Yeah. He's just done. Once they find their significant others, the bear's just over it. Like that whole conflict. The power of love. The He's like, ha ha. I was yeah. actually the spirit of love. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was only hunting, you know, single, unattached. <laughs> animals lost in the wilderness (laughs) once you found true love i no longer hunt you because that's how evolution works oh my god i'm cupid the bear what was up with the sea turtle like not an antagonist but like so random and i'm like is this a dead turtle they're just towing i thought it was dead i thought he was dead i was like oh we're not doing anything with this why is this on screen right now the sea turtle is what really threw me and that was the point at which I looked up where this was made. And Radia, I was two seconds from messaging you and being like, are there turtles in the Pacific Northwest? Because that's where my head was at, too. I was like, <laughs> where are we? Like, the fuck? And there's not, right? No. Okay, I didn't think so. And I'm like, where the fuck are there turtles but that it's temperate? And I was like, wait, isn't this Japanese? And then I looked it up and it was like, oh, yeah. Okay, there are turtles in Japan. And... There are wild boars and like all the other animals, the foxes, the deer, um, all of that stuff is even the farm animals like are in Japan. Um, So all of that tracked. But the turtle really threw me. That was a weird addition. Yeah. 
It's such a duex machina. Like, and then a turtle happens to play lifeguard in the ocean for reasons. Also, can magically calm the storm because. Magic. Oh yeah. Okay. That's that. All right. Okay. So now it's all coming back to me because I was like, why the fuck is the turtle like here? And then I was like, oh yeah, all the bad shit's gone. We're good now. We're calm. And I feel like that's where the inspiration for Nemo came from. <laughs> <laughs> it probably totally That'd is be awesome. honestly it's like basically the same character yeah they're basically the same that. person he's <laughs> just not high maybe he is high yeah well know. we don't know yeah so that's a question mark it seems like a, maybe high more on like more sedatives less on weed maybe <laughs> yeah more opiated he's doing like barbiturates <laughs> yeah he's just like holy shit you guys i just can't believe they put that pug on the turtle like i really was like how many turtles died in the filming of this? Because probably not that many. Yeah, just wondered if the pug. They both look so un- again. It's like with the bear; they both look so uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, man. every animal in this looks uncomfortable. Like there isn't a single part of this where I was like, they're probably fine. Well, except some of the in the beginning when they were snuggling. I really did yeah, the frolic. Like that. Okay, yeah, when they're fine and like away from you know any manner of danger. Yeah, they're totally fine. Them cuddling and like. Oh, Milo climbing through the tree and stuff and you know patting the bird and shit like that like all that I'm fine with like they're just like exploring their surroundings but okay. then we get into like the nightmare fuel of you know shots and stuff yeah. uh, it kind of devolves from there it, yeah you don't see them look happy again after that like at all they just start looking distraught Tired best yeah i mean and they keep the they even put the cat in the tree with a bear oh my god right like this long and like the cat is like existentially terrified for its life trying to escape like haha so funny and they put this narration over it and like i mean the the very narration the very beginning is the the part where I guess the last time that I probably really laughed, but in the beginning where he's like first floating away in the box on the river and he's like, oh, isn't it so fun? Otis, you've got to come. I'm having such a great time. Join me in my amazing adventure. And this cat looks horrified. Like I, I couldn't Mm -hmm. help it at that point. I did. I was like, what the fuck? This is so absurd. (laughs) This is. And then it got progressively less funny right like it got more and more horrifying as we went and harder to watch funny at that point i (laughs) found that funny on my because i've never seen this before i had no no i know and that's like i was like i'm fucking serious i'm kind of like stoked that you hadn't seen this before i didn't remember a, a whole lot about this movie i remembered the i absolutely remembered the bear and i absolutely remembered the waterfall um but that's just because I was just like, oh, my God, that's crazy. I remember that from Homeward Bound. When they were do- having like, I had no idea what to expect from this. None. The only thing I knew yeah. about it was that it had been accused of animal abuse. That was the only thing that I knew. And when they had like the adventure with like they were raising the chicken egg. <laughs> there, oh, was, yeah. there was at least 25 percent of me that kind of wasn't sure we were going to leave the farm like i kind of didn't i didn't know that that necessarily was part of the plot well i don't know i had no idea what this was about there could have been some kind of plot that took place locally like it i i had no idea what to expect and so like yeah when he floated down the river like yeah i was like this is absurd and i totally laughed at it because i had no idea 
what was what, to come. What was yeah. coming. Yeah. Like that could have been the worst of it. I didn't know whether this was accused of animal abuse in a way that was like, oh yeah, that cat flowing off the waterfall that I remember as a five-year-old. Oh shit. What if that was real? It wasn't like that. It was like, maybe this is the worst that it gets. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I remembered that there was a river sequence that was scary and i remembered the seagull scene and i was pretty sure i remembered the bear but oh and i remembered the crab or the the lobster crawdad whatever it is that gets milo in the face Mm -hmm. near the beginning like i remember that very very vividly but a lot of the rest of it it was remembering that i had seen it before i didn't remember quite how frequent scenes of distress came as you move through the movie. Yeah. And I didn't know to expect that there would be no fake animals in this either. And they literally did their own stunt with that pit, mm-hmm. right? Like the dog literally pulls the cat out. Like they get, they forced the animals to figure it out. Oh, and my God. oh yeah. A bunch of footage. The, yeah, the scene with the, here comes the dog. He falls into that hole and he's like struggling to get out, which also showcases like why pugs are not good in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking mm-hmm. pugs, man. Mm-hmm. Do, am I the only one who doesn't like pugs? I don't, I don't hate like them, pugs. but I'm not like, ew. It's like I'm not a big fan of pugs or bulldogs. Like the way that the face has been bred to be difficult for them to live in is yeah. just like, yeah. I know you don't seem happy. Yeah, it's like I yeah, pugs are really high on my list of dogs. I'm not a fan of, and this thing was useless. And but also more similarity to Homeward Bound. They pulled them out of the hole. Right. There's so many like they hit some similar beats. Yeah. yeah. It's like really kind of makes me want to watch Homeward Bound again. (laughs) It does make me want to watch Homeward Bound again to like wash the taste of this out of my mouth. I haven't known like kind of what to do with my psyche ever since watching (laughs) this. Like me and my husband both were just like, um, now, now what? You have to go like, yeah, maybe Homeward Bound is where to go. I think for real. But the first one, not the second one with the racism, because that was... Oh, God. Yeah. No, the second one sucked. Yeah, oh, the San Francisco one? Stupid no. fucking fire. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. No. That was I didn't even bother watching that one. Lindsay's my sequels person. I don't do that until she tells me to. I totally watched it, and then I was like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> I watched it one time, and I hated it so much, and I was too young to catch on all the racism stuff in it. But, like, in hindsight, it's very easy for me to remember the movie and be like, yeah, no, that was even worse than I remembered. No, thank you. I I unironically put it on after the first one because I enjoyed it so much. Like I wasn't planning to watch it. I was just like, Homeward Bound is so good. And then after the 10 minutes of the sequel, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) It's so not. (laughs) Oh, shit. I forgot this one was so bad. Um, Well, so underneath all of the uh, obvious animal abuse, there is weirdly a story in this movie. There is. Yes. And like a theme. Um, so, okay, a couple of my early observations just on the characters having, again, never seen this before. Right. They spent a ton of time apart in the movie. I was surprised by that. Like, we get way more time with Milo, which not sorry, because cat person. Um, <laughs> and they're out there for like a year. Like, I, I Is guess. Is that I'm, how long it says? I, I couldn't. Dude, it's a full out. season. It's spring when they're. Oh, like, I guess that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, the implication is that it's a year, which I kind of feel like the story feels like it takes more like two years, really. <sighs> yeah. But the implication yeah. is that it is one year. Okay. Yeah. 
That was hard for me to follow. I don't know why. I was just like, are we just going to different locations or is this supposed to have been a really long time? No, it was very like Bambi-esque. It was all about like yeah, okay. shit. Like, yeah, it was wild. And then also that like they don't really have a mission. Like for all its similarities to Homeward Bound, like it's more about like their relationship and friendship and like the the growth and change in their relationship than it is to like trying to get home or succeeding in some goal like they go home but it's almost like a afterthought right right yeah first they have to reunite and then they decide what they want to do which at first includes just like traveling i guess for shits and giggles yeah (laughs) ish and because then like when when otis takes off he's like i'm gonna go over the mountains and i'm like first of all those are small hills buddy but second of I mean, all he's a pug like, anything's a mountain but i'm like, like you're gonna I, die yeah, out there exactly. for sure by yourself you have no it just chance. it makes it makes no sense like so now you know where you are and you can just split up and go your own ways like it really feels to me like they take a whole year to travel and then when they settle down for the winter like we're catching up with them after like a 12 month montage yeah yeah that tracks because like it's so it's very strange when he does that and it kind of broke my heart because like i i don't know i was like less emotionally invested in these guys than the homeward bound animals for sure because there's a lot less character growth they don't have their own voices it's just a like it's a weird like i don't feel connected to them incomplete documentary Mm -hmm. yeah it was missing a lot of the the connective tissue between the pieces yeah and like but then and then when they did reunite like it was good but it wasn't homeward bound good but it's all about their like devotion to each other and then like joyce appears out of nowhere and just milo like forgets about otis and it's just like it's so real like it just (laughs) it it hurts man i was like oh shit like (laughs) Like you said, Aradia, like they should do this in animation without any animals harmed because this, like, there was some heart here. We need, like, oh, yeah, it's like a major quintessential, like, young adult coming of age kind of story where it's like, and this is what happens when you start noticing people in a new way. Like, it's got that wholesome, simplistic relationship building architecture to it. Yeah, you grow up and you find relationships that are more important than your childhood friendships, even though that seems oh. so impossible. And That's rough. It's so hard. It's sure. so hard. I was just like kind of ruined when Otis left over the mountains, but he's just like, and goodbye. Like, which, as you said, that's exactly how it goes sense. down, too, though. He's just like, and goodbye. Yeah. He's like, you know what? I'm done with you. Yeah. I, I left home to rescue you. I have gone through hell for you. But I'm not digging your girlfriend who's literally never done a thing to me in her life. And I'm just leaving now. Like, Joyce is not an antagonist. She's like, no, Otis, stay. Like, there's no explanation. It's just Otis being jealous that Milo yeah. has time for somebody else. Like, that's the only thing that How Joyce did. How dare you, sir? Yeah. Like, what the, mm, he's so petty. Which, again, real. But it's like. It's very you, real. You left home yeah. for this guy. Come on. I feel like it would be more satisfying if it was kind of like a love triangle, like in um, uh, what's the Disney movie about the the little boy mermaids who are in love? I love that movie so much. Luca. I oh, saw a trailer for it. Oh, it's yeah, so that's good. The Italian one, right? 
Yeah, yeah it's so good. And uh, they, the two little boys are like in love, but one of them kind of doesn't realize it and like sort of low key, like starts hanging out with this girl, but like they don't have a romantic relationship, but his boyfriend gets so jealous and they like haven't talked about their the movie's really good it's like mm, i really like yeah Luca. no it reminds me of like the love triangle and spinal tap for sure yeah 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 totally it's yeah i would i could see it better that way but then all of a sudden totally inexplicably there's a stray pug in the wilderness <laughs> a stray what what the fuck what there's someone what? out there for all of us sandra sandra it's yeah, french sandra. yeah <laughs> <laughs> No. French. <laughs> what the fuck? And it's a pug. That's so weird. I'm like French bulldog, but pug. I'm confused. Yeah, Do but I just not know dog breeds? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's extremely strange. I'm no longer telling people that there's plenty of fish in the sea. I'm now going to tell them that there's plenty of pugs in the wilderness. <laughs> it's like really really strange that it's a pug like a stray cat sure and maybe a stray dog but not a not a yeah pug. an exact fucking match to your breed come on come yeah on. and also i want to put it out there that like white cats have the shortest life expectancy in the wild mm-hmm. like an all white cat is gonna get snatched up so fast yes they're in the snow so like that's helpful, but this cat clearly is used to living in the woods, and I I have seen a group of cats that were all the same age in the same place get picked off one by one as they got older, and the whiter they were, the sooner they were picked off. Mm-hmm. So, oh, eh. yeah, yeah, she's very pretty, but no, she's gorgeous. You know, I love her. It's not but... gonna. It's, it's totally ridiculous, but it's also like, I guess if I'm giving this movie probably more credit than it deserves, um. It's like puberty. It comes out of nowhere. Like it just happens. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, okay. oh my God. And here we are. <laughs> and there is some like allegorical YA kind of storytelling that I am willing to forgive in that way. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. okay, you can cliff notes this. That's fine. That is how this genre goes. Yeah. Right. Like that's, I, I feel like, like it's so basic, but like basic stuff has to exist. Right. Like foundations are a thing. So. Well, and, yeah, it has yeah. to start somewhere. Well, and I think that we definitely cultivated a lot of patience for that covering the 80s. Like, yeah. how many episodes did we do where we were like, yeah, I know this is done a million times, but this is the first time they did it and it was really good. And like, you know, yeah. we said that a lot during the 80s. So yeah, we did. <laughs> this is probably a little bit of that. Um, mm-hmm. I've been reading um, The Hobbit to yes. my husband and I keep being like, oh my God, this is so tropey. But like, this is where this is it where started. the trope came from. Yeah, it was yeah. Tropy when he wrote it. It's everyone imitating him that makes this feel tropy, and it's it's a really surreal and lovely experience. Exactly. Oh, I love that you guys are reading The Hobbit. That's awesome. I, I just—he's not a big reader, but I'm like, you can't exist around me and not at least have been exposed to the the best book of the original canon. Yeah, like The Hobbit's so good. Just where it's at. I mean, Riddles in the Dark is the most quintessential chapter in all of uh, fantasy literature. I absolutely agree with that, hundred percent. I'm gonna leave no you two alone. On that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just rereading the Silmarillion right now. But well, I've never read the Silmarillion. Oh, I'm not that cool. It's so good. I'm not that cool. Silmarillion is good, and I love your like increasing knowledge of like. The uh, Tolkien universe. Scott, that I had to ask you less and less questions as every episode went on. Yeah, even though 
Ugh, boo rings of power. Ugh, I know. I know. Like, How eh, you whatever. Anyway, um, back to the movie at hand. So, one of the crazier things that's on screen during this, speaking of the <laughs> the uh, the quest things for love, that we've seen. yeah, yeah. One of the crazier things that's on screen <laughs> is this love, fucking live then birth. Marriage, then comes live birth in a random winter cave. Yeah, what in the motherfuck on this movie is there? To, they <laughs> both give live like that's real, right? Like they had the oh, dog yeah. give birth totally in a real. cave. Yeah, that's what totally the, real. Yeah. Absolutely huh. filmed live puppy and kitten How birth can you just in case. How is that in this movie? Like that, I guess the cats were actually in a building, but yeah. Shocked me more than the abuse. It shocked me more than the cat being thrown off the really? cliff. It really did. I was like, not because I think it's like inappropriate or we shouldn't see it. Like it's not offensive. It just was like, oh my God. Like it was just so real. It's just that felt like a documentary, right? That's like. Holy it shit. felt in step to me because it almost felt like a documentary so much of the movie that it's like, well, okay, at least you're like going in, you're committing to the bit, at least. Well, That's yeah. something. It's it's also just normally something that like where like violence is okay, sex isn't, right? Like you normally wouldn't <laughs> see like I don't know. So you can tell it wasn't made for an American audience originally. Yeah. Oh, for they sure. The miracle of birth. I'm yeah. surprised they kept that in there because we're such sort of prudes around this kind of thing. Like that's kind of why it surprised me. It was like this is that's kind of the thing that like the NPA usually violence. looks at. Yeah. yeah, violence is fine, mm-hmm. but this would never mm-hmm. fly. I can't believe that's in the American cut. Like that they show it, that they don't cut away and then just show the babies. Yeah, absolutely. And it, at first, it, when they opened the movie with the you know, kittens and puppies already being like eyes open and stuff. I was like, huh, I thought I remembered there being infants in this movie, but I guess I'm wrong. And then, no, it's just, I forgot <laughs> Spoiler there at alert. the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty, pretty insane. But giving some credit to the movie, which feels weird. Um, they did kind of start this whole thing with that chicken, which I also thought was crazy that they had the hatching of the chicken yeah. in the beginning. I was like, oh, shit. Like That was pretty cool. Yeah. And it kind of comes full circle, like that the whole movie really is about like family and the next generation and the circle of life, like that that's what this whole thing is actually about under all the animal abuse. It's the weirdest dichotomy ever. Like, it's so absurd. Like. Yeah, it's definitely a story about the cycle of life through the four seasons. That's what it's an allegory for, yeah. for sure. I'm here for it. It's not really. <laughs> it's I'm here for the story, not for the execution. Yeah, I think honestly, if this were redone in any other way, I, first of all, my question with this whole like birth in the cave thing is why? Just like why? <laughs> why did we need that? I get it. Like we saw that's how life started. No, I get that. Thank you, Simba. But what I'm saying is (laughs) like, we didn't need that. We saw that at the beginning of the movie. We saw that with the chicken. We saw it with the the puppies opening their eyes. Like we, I don't, I I just. I think they were very proud of themselves for finding a pregnant cat and probably the right kind. And they were like, this is too good of an opportunity to waste. We're filming it. That's probably how this movie got made. They're like, we should make a movie about the cycle of life. Hey, I found these two pregnant animals. Okay, let's do this. Build the story around that. <laughs> yeah. That's so not true, but. Well, and then you got to wonder, like, was that a coincidence? Or did they, like. They had to have, like, searched far and wide for Manufacture these pregnancies. I don't know. 
I don't well, know. Well, it man. took three years to make this movie, so you got to think in that time they could have timed that. Oh yeah, for sure. I also like the birth in the cave scene. Like this is one of the parts where it gets the most human for me, and it's so funny. So Milo, or so Otis goes out because they've run out of provisions. Yeah. Right. I'm like what provisions yeah. are you like a fur trapper in the Canadian wilderness? <laughs> like he's got to check the traps before the you snow You got to go hits. get some sugar and flour and coffee and salt from the depot. Like what are you doing? <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's so clearly an allegory for a human story that they just mapped onto like some animal abuse footage. It's <laughs> This is what's so, what makes me laugh. Cause it's so absurd. Like, it's just like, what? <laughs> You're kind of just like waiting for, Otis to be collecting shit and some pigeon be like, you're out collecting again, Otis. Hey, Frank, how you doing? How's the kids? Puppies dies of dysentery. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. What is this? The Oregon Trail animal edition? Yeah, and it's like the implication is that Otis has been hunting for them and it's like, I'm sorry, this is a pug. He He can't hunt down a kibble. This is what I'm saying. If, If it had been like a dog that was just even remotely plausibly able to hunt like a squirrel Zuko. or something. I I don't know that Zuko would live long in the wild, but like a golden no, retriever, like a you know a Saint Bird. That would be you a know. shepherd of some kind, a collie yeah. or a that, literally yes. any full size fucking dog. Literally any real dog. Yeah, a real dog. <laughs> <laughs> a real dog. You gotta remember too this technically is coming off the heels of the first attempt at the incredible journey because Disney did make their own version of the incredible journey in 1984. God, you're right with the, just the over the top narration. Yeah. With the really bad narration again. So whoever made this was probably like, I see your animal movie. Let me raise you some totally unnecessary scenes. (laughs) Um, But you know what? We're going to pick implausible dogs because they're cute. The cat? Well, no, what that's were they fine. Thinking that's in Japan. Cat. Why the pug in Japan? I just there must be some cultural something. I have no idea that they they were a popular dog or fucking He's the director's favorite kind of dog. Yeah, yeah. Like, but why not like a Shiba Inu? Sense. Shiba Inus are right? all over Japan. And fucking adorable, yeah, such are. expressive little faces. Oh, those are the little fluffy bastards, right? Yeah, those the ones that have yeah. really bad attitudes. Yeah, God, I hate small dogs. I, but those ones are cute, and, and a lot of French bulldogs are cute. This whole but episode was just to tell you guys how Lindsay feels about dogs. I, you know, I'm mostly okay with them, but little shitty ones like that, I fucking like. <laughs> nah, the little shitty ones like that. I don't, you know, dude, for real. Though. I will say though, their their choice of an orange tabby to be a troublemaker is very on point as far as cat breeds go. Yes. Like, Correct. That is the correct p- color pattern for a troublemaker. Absolutely agreed. And he's so cute, um, except for his obvious distress the whole time. Like, oh, he was hard. It, that was hard to watch, especially when he was crying because cats don't meow except to people and their moms. Right? right. They don't meow yeah. in the wild. And like that, that was a big difference I noticed in this one to Homeward Bound where like all of the meow sounds that Sassy makes, her mouth never moves. Because she's not in distress. Yeah. But in this, like, the cat is crying, right? Like, oh, you yeah. can see that the cat is the crying. Hideously. Yeah. Like, really, like, yelling, like, get me the fuck off of this. Like, get me out of here. Um, and, and they're obviously, like, not getting help. And I'm like, oh, no, baby. Like, I didn't like that. 
but it's very cute when they've got them just like cuddling like the puppies and the adult or the the young ones and the adults like they managed to make that seem very candid and not problematic like it's obviously a little trained because they keep doing the arm around the shoulder thing mm -hmm. like over and over again but like I don't have a problem with them being trained to do a small amount of interaction when like clearly they don't hate each other it's not like they have an off-screen feud no or like sassy and chance did right like that's oh, why did? yeah that's why they're not in a lot of scenes together they had oh. like chance went after sassy and like early filming and like it was supposed to be that the order when they would like go walking and stuff would always be shadow sassy and then chance and sassy wouldn't let chance get behind her to save anybody's life. So she had to go in the back because she was like, mm -hmm, Fuck that. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but no, these guys seem to be buddies. Like in the beginning, um, I think it's really cute when Milo would go like under Otis. <laughs> I was like walking under him and stuff like they were like, that was pretty cute. They didn't seem to be too unhappy. I enjoyed that. Um, and then all of the kittens at the end were really cute, but I was a little concerned for them when all the pugs ran up to them. Like, uh, like they looked, everybody looked a little worried in the scene where the two families come together. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, see, it's like all of the thematic stuff is so overshadowed by like my concern for the animals because they do look so yeah. unhappy over, over the narration. It's tough. It's like. Here's my other thing. Like, okay, these animals go off and like they're in the wilderness, right? Like now they're living and shit. Are we just supposed to assume that the people who work on the farm don't care? Why would they? There was like a billion animals. Yeah, it's like a farm cat and some random dog that hangs around. Like sometimes there's kittens under the barn all of a sudden, whatever. I yeah. guess. I Maybe don't know. I just think that's weird farms. that they're just like, hey, now there's this like fucking dog and cat community like in the woods. Well, or it's post-apocalyptic and none of the humans are there. Like we don't have proof that there's humans. Well, I kind of imagine train. it's like, yeah, yeah okay. now, I kind of imagine it's like an economically depressed area that people keep moving away from. And there's still a few farms, yeah. but like most of them are abandoned. And like the ones that are still there won't be there for much longer. Like it's going to the animals, but it's not fully gone to them yet. I mean, you could even go. There's no evidence to support this other than the fact that there's a train in this movie. <laughs> but you could say it's the old Western trope where the railroad is buying up all the property and people have to get off their land because the railroad just bought it to expand the rail. But that's me reaching at straws that aren't even there. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know enough about the history of Japan to to say when such things may have been happening or whether. Well, we don't even know like what year it is. I technically could figure it out if I looked up the fucking model of the engine that almost hits them, but it'll be 1986. Uh, it'll be when this was made. Like it's just the like I wouldn't even be surprised if that was like the monorail through the animal park. Like I, you know, like <laughs> probably, literally, that's how the casting crew got like, out every day. Probably, to the it's all very just like let's go fuck around and find out, and like then we'll write a script over it. I, it's fucking insane. Um, but it is it is crazy how like they're not that worried about going back, and then that the movie ends in the way that we've discovered that all movies from the eighties end. Which is just, just in the middle of it, just out yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> like, and we're done. And that's it. All right, we got home. Goodbye. Roll credits. I was like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, there's no like integration with the farm. There's no like travels with small children shenanigans. Like they're just mature and old enough to bring their entire family of vulnerable babies through the wilderness without any issues. And we don't even need to show it. Not even in montage. 
right? It's just over once they decide to go back together. And maybe that's the point, right? Is that they like- Once you come back together, you can do anything? Well, or that it's just like, it's not even about where they're going. It's like about their relationship with each other. It doesn't really matter where they are. Like It's not about going home. It's about the girlfriends we lost each other to along the way. Exactly. Exactly. It's (laughs) It's such a weird moral though. It's really strange. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, we'll become best friends. But they're just like- when they find each other, it's like when they reunite after they've both had babies, they're like not even that excited. It's just like, oh my God, hey, like it's a total afterthought. It's not it's even- like meeting up after college or something or like after high school, like whatever. Hey, hi. Yeah, it's like they weren't even like they didn't sacrifice like, well, like Otis didn't sacrifice so much to find Milo. Like, yeah, and it's not like they make up from their fight. Otis is just like, fuck you, bro, I'm leaving. And then the next time he sees him, it's like, hey, guys, what's up? It's hey. so good to see you Oh, my you God, again. you have puppies? Like, no way. No closure cool. to the fight. Like, Yeah, they're totally over it. They, like, didn't even give a shit about each other. But then they decide to meet up again. It's very weird. It's very, like, I want to believe there's, like, a Brokeback Mountain thing happening here. <laughs> oh my God. And also, like, there's no explanation for why they want to go home. Like, clearly they're doing fine in the woods. Like, why do they want to go back to this farm with these fucking chickens and sheep and stuff? I don't know. It's totally unexplained. And then they arrive there and it's just over. (laughs) Like, what does Gloria think about this? You know, we never find out what Gloria thinks or how, you know, the little adopted chicken feels about their adopted siblings. I would have thought maybe we would see the chicken. Like, that would have been an interesting, like, yeah. Yeah, that's how it should have ended is back on the chicken. Yes. Well, and that's where Homeward Bound like really shines above this, right? In as in every other aspect. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say just movies. this part. <laughs> as as in every part of this movie, but it has like that's the part where like we cried, like that was like so powerful when like Shadow comes yeah. over the hill. He was just too old. He was just too, <laughs> too old, old, and now I have to find make... a new personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I God. like the lack of humans in this, honestly. It is refreshing to just be like, get out humans yeah. who don't. I didn't hate it, but it, I had a lot of questions about it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, I was just kind of like, what's going on? Like, who's looking after these fucking animals right now? Like, <laughs> well, it's like those kids' movies where you're like, who's looking after the kids, but you just don't need adults? No, it's that's like different. That's that shit I ask myself about, like, PJ Mask. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> like, why are these kids allowed to be crime fighters in the middle of the night and there are no adults around to stop these clearly four-year-old kids? Exactly. Exactly. Anything else we want to hit on before we do ratings and close up? No. Do you? I don't. I I don't. I just apologize to everyone who has been inspired to watch this movie as a result of this No, I think... <laughs> I think everyone should watch this movie. That's the weirdest thing about this is like everyone should watch this movie and then go watch Homeward Bound and be like, oh, wow, cool. Like there's a reason that Homeward Bound like should have been made. Yeah. Homeward Bound's really good. Yeah. Yeah, That's a that's a good argument. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway. (laughs) Also, Um, I would I would I would argue that Disney saw this and was like, oh, fuck no, dude. (laughs) <laughs> oh right they were Not like no we can do better well they did incredible hold up my day. <laughs> yeah for real they were like hold on didn't we do something like this already all right let's retool this this narration thing is not working let's give them voices we did that in the cartoons all the time let's make this real so weird this okay uh i'm like speaking of i'm like i'm kind of high and i lost track of what i was thinking about all right 
Right. So I gave this movie a 2.5 out of 10, which I think is real generous. Um, like it, it has like a basic thematic through line and like a decent amount of it is kind of cute, but it was really that sort of like Douglas Adams of absurdity that got me. Yeah. Like there were parts of this at watching, like I wasn't sorry that I saw it for the first time. I'm just being like, what the fuck? Like that did am- amuse me. And maybe that makes me a terrible person, but it, it amused me enough to give it a 2.5 out of 10 while still being like really horrible. And I recognize that. And this movie should not be, but it amused me. No. And I like, I can get that. And again, like you haven't, you hadn't watched this before. So yeah, the experience, it kind of was not dissimilar from my karate kid experience yeah well it's just like what (laughs) (laughs) i enjoyed that i can't lie it it reminded me a lot of when i watched karate kid and listeners you know how much i liked that i liked that a lot it somehow comes up all the time (laughs) because that experience was so fun like the stuff that i have just never seen and i have no idea what to expect going into it and it's just like oh my god really this is what this is what this is you know, honestly, that was my experience with that movie. I saw it remarkably late <laughs> in my cultural zeitgeisting. And uh, yeah, it's weird to see something that is a cultural touchstone long after it's become a meme and you basically know it just by inference. Yeah, exactly. It's a very surreal experience to catch up. Like, oh, this is what people were so into. This is what everyone thought. Yeah, okay, sure. Fucking whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> So I enjoyed that. Um but it it loses points for the dead animals, so no yeah, question. Like I it can't go above the two, two five. Like yeah. I, yeah. What did what did you go for, Scott? The two? I couldn't. I honestly, I couldn't give it above a two. It's cute when it's cute, but I just, I couldn't do it, man. I, and I tried. I want you to know, like this being like the first rewind the timeline and like radio being here, and I just got a haircut. You know, I wanted to be like a good <laughs> like. <laughs> I wanted it to be like a good experience or whatever, but just this was, I'm glad that you made me watch this because it gave me like a newer appreciation for Homeward Bound, which if you guys didn't listen Great to that episode, away. I had a serious problem <laughs> with a lot of the humans <laughs> in that movie. So the fact that there were no humans for me to have a problem with was both great and awful because I just spent time hating the humans behind the scenes instead of the ones that were on screen (laughs) radio what about you what'd you give it oh man i mean it's hard for me to give it anything above a zero just because the full body cringe but i will give it a two because i love the little song it's so dorky i love the narration it's so he commits to the narration yeah. so well. I love a lot of the sets. I'm not sets, but the site, the locations that they shot. Uh-huh. And I like the ideas and I like the story that they wrote. I just have to take off eight entire points, stars, whatever, because of what they did to make this really cute little story. Like, there's so much there, but if just animate it, just, just animate it, just take this soundtrack. And animated. That's what I'm like. I'm still like kind of blown away is why didn't we just make this an animated movie? Literally no one would be upset about it. And this, I guarantee you would be much more of a well-received movie. 
if it were animated. When like there is such a strong tradition of high quality animation in Japan. Like why did the Japanese choose not to narrate this? Or uh, animate this? It's yeah. that's weird, right? Like, why that's did so why did they choose? Yeah, to do minus it this eight way? for that choice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so. And I and I give it the extra half a point because I thought I was charmed by it. <laughs> well, and again, it's like I feel so betrayed by my recollections of it versus my adult appreciation that, like, I think that's why, like, I can't give it that extra half. Yeah, because it's like, no, yeah. I've had part of my childhood destroyed by my eyes being open. That's no. exactly what it was like for me to watch Fern Gully. Because I remember, <laughs> I remember loving the shit out of that movie, and then the minute that they create this like fairy whirlwind tornado thing, and then it does nothing. Like it literally mm-hmm. amounts to absolutely nothing. I was sitting there like, why did I fucking like this movie? That was so dumb. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was just like world shattering to me. That's how I felt about the rescuers down under. Oh god damn it. it yeah. And Bible goes west. And when Bible both of those turned west. out to be bad, I was yeah. like, but they're my like outback western vermin animated movies. They're my favorite, like really specific genre. <laughs> She loved him, but she can't remember his fucking name. She just kept calling him Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. It doesn't matter what his name was. I don't don't do names. And see, this is why I love your guys' podcast is because it's like every every new episode. It's like, what movie are you going to destroy for me next? You're welcome. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Oh, my God. changing. Doing the lights work. Or like everywhere. Nothing will ever be as bad as Neverending Story. Um, God damn it. As far as the villain rating, I don't know if the bad guy is is the bear or the filmmakers. (laughs) (laughs) The the bear is definitely narratively positioned as the villain because of the implied vendetta against the cat for reasons unknown. Yeah, Why did he care so much? The filmmakers are like clearly the actual villains of what's happening. Yeah. And and I enjoyed that meta weird commentary enough to give it one point for the villains, even though it's really not. Yeah. That's really not the thing in this movie. Did, did you guys have any? And the elements are maybe the, the villain. Uh, curiosity, leaving home. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, yeah. Growing villains up, are, coming the, of age. The world. Yeah. <laughs> Life. Yeah, life is the villain. It's very existential, very Alice in Wonderland. Very like life is unfair. Oh yeah, the villain. Oh my god, and it will abuse you for entertainment. That's too on the nose. It's too no, true. it's it's too true though. Yeah. <laughs> god. Anyway, on that fucked up um, note. Yeah, I just want to thank you guys so much for introducing behind the timeline or uh, behind, but rewind the timeline. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for introducing that because I was literally listening to Homeward Bound being like, man, I wish I could request that they do Milo (laughs) Notice. That'd be so weird. And then like you get to the end of the episode and you're like, so we've introduced this new feature, rewind the timeline. I'm like, the gods are good. So the force can have shined upon responding. And uh, yeah, audience out there, if you have weird movies you would like to traumatize the hosts with, I recommend that you write them because they will let you do that. Yes, please ruin more of my childhood. I while we in turn ruin yours. (laughs) Yes, and uh, if you want to find me, you can find me over at uh, What Spoilers, where we talk about all things Wheel of Time with all the spoilers. So don't come over there unless you've finished reading the books. Going over uh, there right now. 
Yeah, we we have a lot of fun over there. I I enjoy podcasting. It's it's a real good time, and it's fun to be in a not wheel of time space for once. Oh, <laughs> right? yeah. So thanks. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been so awesome yeah, having you real. over here. Um, yeah, everybody, check if you've read the books. Check out Watt Spoilers. Um, and Scott, I'll let you formally take us out of here. I will formally. I even put a suit on. Uh, as <laughs> always, thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We hope that you enjoyed yourselves and probably didn't learn anything. Um, <laughs> join us next week for Mrs. Doubtfire, which I'm so fucking stoked about. Yeah, that's um, gonna be fun. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as follow us on all of our social media. You can find links to our sites and our social media in the episode descriptions. I always want to say below, like this is a YouTube video. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, we do encourage you to follow us on Patreon, where you can catch our special quiz show, Rewind the Timeline, and make sure to check us out on our websites for timeline goodies, including the newest feature. You might have heard of it. I don't know. Request the timeline. <laughs> Let us know if you want to see, and we'll make it happen. But honestly, guys, until next time, stay nerdy. <laughs>